This podcast is made possible by the generosity of listeners like you. Kindly consider a contribution through Patreon or PayPal. Links are in the details box. Patreon is a monthly subscription that you can cancel anytime. And PayPal is a one-time donation. Any amount is appreciated. And follow us on social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. The handle, The Beirut Banyan. And you can find us on our YouTube channel with the same name. And you can start watching the episodes as they're released. Thank you for listening. And thank you for watching. I'm Rani Shatah, and this is the Beirut Banyan. I know that the last episode I suggested that we follow up perhaps a week later or longer, but because I, th- I think, I hope, both of us enjoyed the topic so much that uh, we got stuck in finance and spent an hour discussing finance and that we enjoyed each other's company so much that we decided to do it two days later. So I appreciate this. Uh, I think both of us, the good news is we're wearing different clothes. You look oh, you look better than me in general. I'm still wearing a similar type of sweatshirt. You've got the Miami vibe. I'm still envious. But uh, I, I appreciate you willing to come back. And speak about a, a subject that's that's linked, I think, to the story, but it's not. You it, it can't just squeeze in finance and diaspora into one hour. It doesn't work. So here's round two. First, Sergio, I want to ask you before we jump into the diaspora subject: Has anything in the last two days in Lebanon from our previous conversation? And we kind of we spoke about the broad picture, but just the uh, the recent, very very recent developments in the IMF and that kind of negotiation stage. Is anything that happened the last two days that made you think, ah, this this is maybe moving in the right direction, or is it still too early to to properly address what's happening in Lebanon on on the financial front? Um, I have read a couple of uh, of breaking news. Not mm-hmm. they, they haven't developed yet, but I've heard that uh, the minister of finance of Lebanon he's saying that he wasn't very happy with the first yeah. conversation with the IMF. Right and. Right. Uh, Obviously, that's 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 not good news. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, uh, what did he expect? You know, the, the, the IMF is going to come with, with recommendations that include uh, the control of corruption, uh, some kind of reform, uh, yeah. some sacrifices that has to be made uh, in order to to get this this funding, which is also connected with all the other fundings. You know, it's like uh Seder is not going to happen if you don't have uh, the IMF approval before right, uh, right so so i think you know there has to be some some sacrifices i I've, I've heard other news you know there's also a lot of things going on uh, there there were i heard some talk about closing borders in lebanon yes and that i mean and then there was a blatant rejection by hezbollah saying no way yeah yeah then you know we've heard a lot these few days about regime change in in in, in Syria, but yeah. this time not proposed or originated from the U.S. or or its allies, but more like uh, one of the Syrian allies, which is Russia. So, mm-hmm. so much we don't know, and you know things are happening by the hour. Yeah, uh, and, and you know I wanted to mention something which is interesting. You you know 
to 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 definitely uh, maybe close the chapter on finance. Or, or or we'll have to do another episode after this. You know, I'm, I, I'm going to give a talk uh, next next Monday for mm-hmm. the Argentinian Lebanese because they are very interesting. Uh, kind of like you, uh, sort of comparing uh, the Lebanese uh, uh, problem with mm-hmm. the Argentinian problem that we already went through. Right. So it would be a very interesting exercise. Now. You know, one of the things that I'm going to mention is that you know, back in the in the in the early 90s, late 80s, I would say, mm-hmm. in Argentina, the president of Argentina at that time came up with the word that we didn't want Argentina to be Lebanese or Lebanese. Okay, that's interesting. Because you know, we have kind of a you know internal problems and divisions, and he said, "Listen, guys, we don't want to be Lebanon." So, so the the word Lebanonization or Lebanization was very big in Argentina. So and, all of a sudden, and they want to know what was going on in Lebanon because the president mentioned. But that's the politics, not economics. That's more just in terms it's of mostly politics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, if you if you if you look at you know, we we flip the coin and we say that you know the Lebanese are worried <laughs> that they're going to go through Argentinization. Right. So I am not sure which one would be more complicated. I get the feeling both don't want to be each other right now, <laughs> but that's a nice segue into the into the subject. So I, I I appreciate you being able to kind of, kind of in a way dance around the two subjects in in principle because they're both they're both very important to the Lebanese story. Let's let's try our best to step away from finance and get into the the the, the very well known but I think on a thin layer story of Lebanese in Latin America. And I think most Lebanese know that 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 the most most of the Le- most Lebanese population, its diaspora, is in Latin America. It's not in Europe. It's not in Africa. It's it's not in the Middle East. It's in Latin America, and uh, it's a subject I don't know enough about. And I'll just sort of start it with a knee jerk. Uh, sorry, not knee jerk. A uh, like almost like a cliche sort of anecdotal expression I used to give on my walking tour in Beirut, that. Uh, I would always challenge the the group to to say which country in the world has most Lebanese living in that country, and it's just automate uh, right away. Brazil, they knew that Brazil, and then I'd ask how many. <laughs> the numbers would go from I, I mean this, this is an honest sort of thing from one million to thirty million. It could just be it could even be larger. You know, it's an exaggerated I've never heard the thirty million one. Yeah, I mean like six million in Brazil. Poor Brazil, if that's the case. But clearly it's not. And I kind of from there started trying to understand the diaspora story. And you mentioned this in the previous episode that even within your own family, maybe a handful have been back to Lebanon. So the number is not really telling the proper story. And I hope I got this right, that the population of Lebanese diaspora, meaning those that are entitled to nationality in Brazil, is upwards towards five or six million. That the number of potential Lebanese, not necessarily all of them carrying a Hawi or a Khraj Ed, but the number is big and it's upwards to six million. Did I get that right? Just that sort of uh, estimated figure. Well, yeah, I mean, let's let's start by by mentioning that, you know, and anybody you talk to uh, in Lebanon or the Lebanese government or even among people from the diaspora mm-hmm. and you ask him how many Lebanese outside Lebanon there are and they will tell you it's 10 million, 15 million. Now, how do you substantiate this number? It's, it's yeah. really 
unsubstantiated. So it's 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 just an estimation, but coming from what? And you know, mm-hmm. I have I've read some people have wrote have written very very nice uh, books about it. Yeah. And and and, and basically, part part of the the wrong explanation is they they kind of. Uh, the, you know, it's a, it's a deduction. It's kind of a, a, a calculation based of well, how many people left Lebanon in in the 1800s, at the end of 1800s, and at the beginning of the 1900s. Let's say, mm. you know, maybe uh, between two to four hundred thousand people. Right. And in, in the case of Mount Lebanon, the mountain, which is where the, mostly people came from, yeah, it's probably more than one third of the population. So when, when you extrapolate that number. I think wrongly, but you extrapolate that number and you say, well, you know, if two third, one third of the Lebanese population emigrated, and then you multiply that by how many people there are, and you know, and then you had another, another, another uh, uh, immigration wave, uh, uh, you know, in the in the beginning of the 20th century, and then you have another immigration wave during the civil war, mm-hmm. and you mm-hmm. kind of extrapolate that number, you may come up to 10 million. Oh, but so. So that's the okay. So ten million, which is already a, that's a huge number. But but ten million, these are not all entitled to nationality. Well, that, no, these are you are including all the descendants from Lebanese. Like, right, right. You know, like like I told you, in my family, ten people emigrated in my immediate family, but today we have one thousand members of the family, and they all have yes. Lebanese blood. So what what yeah. we are counting as part of those ten million mm-hmm. or fifteen. It's my ten thousand relatives, my right. one thousand relatives. But sorry. I'm, I'm sorry to get on this point. I, I just for me to understand the, that that your own family, which is now you're the third generation that have left. Right? I, I am third or second, depends how you look at it. Yeah. Right, right. Grandparents that, are my father. So you're entitled to Lebanese nationality. Yeah. Yeah. And every one of your of your relatives that you're referring to could get Lebanese papers. No. No. Okay. No. You have to remember that Lebanese law. Uh, a law that is against the Lebanese constitution does not provide for the descendant of Lebanese woman to have the Lebanese citizenship. Right. Which means yes. that if, you know, my my aunts who were children of Lebanese parents, if she married a non-Lebanese, yeah, of course. then yes. her children and all the descendants from that point below, they don't have the right to the nationality. So Which, they yeah. Won't yeah in my immediate family i put it as an example to it to make an easy ex, easier explanation sure so yes. from the 1000 members of my family only about four to five hundred people uh, are qualified to be uh, citizens of lebanon because it's the paternal side only that gives you that right right but i'm going to just i'm going to assume that some of your female relatives ended up marrying lebanese and no yeah, okay that's a quite wrong assumption, especially in Latin America. Right, I'll tell you why, right. because mm. most of the most of the Lebanese that emigrated, maybe the first generation, yes, maybe they married among Lebanese or maybe Syrian Lebanese, because they tend to gather in the churches or mm-hmm, the social mm-hmm. clubs. Yeah. So the immediate, the first generation, maybe they married mostly to a Lebanese or Syrian woman, but uh, or men. But but then the follow the the the, the rest of the the, immigrant, the of the descendants they yes. didn't so they married Argentinians of Italian origin Spanish German um, Jewish people I mean we've had all kinds of of, 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 of mix 
uh, in most of the countries, but especially Brazil and Argentina. If you go to maybe Mexico and Colombia, they did not mix so much. They kept they right. kept closer the Lebanese community and they kept marrying among themselves. But mm -hmm. the case of Argentina and Brazil and the U.S., which is the three largest uh, countries in terms of immigration from Lebanon, there was a lot of intermarriage, and they uh, and, and the dilution is huge, because you know you're counting among the 10 million Lebanese, mm. maybe one guy who has one grand, great grandfather of Lebanese uh, origin, and seven who are have nothing to do with Lebanon. Yeah, but uh, but I'm just going to get back to this point. So I li I like the way you're framing it, and I think you're you're kind of. You're un you're unraveling the mystique in a way. You're sort of exposing that it's it's not as a romantic of a story when you when you actually look oh, at it. It is romantic. That's the point. Oh, uh, <laughs> it's a very romantic relationship, but it's not practical. So yeah, thank you. That, that's the why, yeah. why. Why would I say that I have ten million people, fifteen million people? If when I'm when I'm going to look for them, I won't find them. <laughs> Right, exactly. But but let's say in, I'll use since you you offered this explanation, your own family, uh, half of them are disqualified by Lebanese law. So that's a disqualification anywhere on on on. I mean, this is a, a Lebanese law that women do not. Yeah, but wow. but so that is by, by that law. Yes, we are already either to five million or seven million. We eliminate. We scratch half of that. Right. Okay. But let's say that that within the five million to seven million, uh, and. and I'm just going back to Brazil because that's the most famous uh, example mm -hmm. of that number, which is already larger than the Lebanese population in Lebanon. In, in that figure, roughly, in sort of just an estimate, how many do you think are entitled to Lebanese nationality? Is it a big number? Is it a big figure? Is it an overwhelming majority where they could apply and get Lebanese paperwork? Well, if you if you count only the father, which means that they would be able to get the Lebanese nationality, yeah, yeah, is that is a huge number. The okay. point is that this is one of the prerequisites. I mean, this is one thing that you need, but then you have to add a lot of other things, which is you know what's the soft power of Lebanon to attract people to get the nationality. I mean, if I am if you know I'm putting myself in a situation in which you know I have a great grandparent who came from Lebanon, okay, one of them. And then I have, you know, seven other great-grandparents, okay? None of which, yeah. Maybe yeah, yeah. Portuguese, maybe Spanish, maybe, maybe two Lebanese, okay, that's fine. But I have a Spanish, I have a Portuguese, I have an Italian. Now, if you have a Spanish or Italian uh, uh, grandparents, also they have a nationality law in which you can access the nationality of Spain or Italy, which means you, you qualify to be a member of the European Union. So if I'm an Argentina, right, right, I'm in right, Brazil, right. and I can get a, a, a Spanish passport, I can get an Italian passport, and I'll be immediately a member of the European Union, why would I choose to have a Lebanese passport? I think, in a way, you're you're kind of also explaining the the reality of Brazil, which is that it's a very mixed country. So yeah. you might be from Lebanon, but you might be from Portugal, and you might be from Spain, you might be from Germany. And it's sort of that that's the story. It's less Lebanon. It's more the way Brazil is structured. Exactly. And, and the same individual that, you know, Lebanese, we Lebanese count as Lebanese. It's also counted as Portuguese, is counted as Italian, is right. counted as French or whatever. So, so the, there's a potential, so that, though. We don't have an exclusivity over that 10 million people. 
Exactly. But but that said, there is the potential for millions of Brazilians to qualify for Lebanese nationality. Yes. And in that figure, is there an estimate as to how many are actually Lebanese, meaning that they have some some paperwork that proves it? Is it I'm is it a sure marginal figure? I'm sure that can be accessed publicly mm. because mm. you know it's 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 you know people who are uh, are are counted in, in 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 Lebanon and they have the right to vote. Right. So they if if like like myself, you know, I am registered in Lebanon mm-hmm. in my father's town. Right, okay? and that's well, because you 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 chose to be Lebanese. You wanted to have yeah. that. Yes, I, I have the passport. Right, I want to have the Lebanese passport. Yes. Okay? So just so just I'm, just to be on this podcast, I know that's what you told me before. Yes, yeah. <laughs> so I have I have I am registered in my town. So the the, the government knows there is clear uh, data mm-hmm. that indicates how many of, of of those Lebanese are are already registered. Right, uh, right. The point is that you know in last elections, in the last elections, in the parliamentary elections, we Lebanese living abroad, we were allowed to vote. Okay. On those yes. Elections. Right. Which is the first time, first uh, time in Lebanese history that yes. And 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 you know you ask me how many there are. I don't know that, but I know that eighty-two thousand people voted. Eighty-two thousand in in Brazil, or that's the total. In the world. Yeah, yeah, right, right. So that's a very small number. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to give you another numbers, which are going to probably disappoint you. In Argentina, that we claim to have one point two million Lebanese. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Only sixty-two people voted. <laughs> yeah, that's you know. <laughs> in Mexico, yeah, that's that's not. Uh... You know, we said that we have between, depending who you talk to, but two hundred to four hundred thousand Lebanese. Mm. I think we were one hundred and twenty-two people voted. Yeah, it was it was a very disappointing. Yes, yeah. Exactly. And then the other problem is of the eighty-two thousand votes, sixteen thousand votes were lost. The boxes were lost. <laughs> And the, but okay, so that actually that that explains also that just how old the Lebanese population is in Latin America, because that's really the key to why it's such a big number and why it's a mostly assimilated population that they don't necessarily they don't identify themselves as Lebanese right away. It's almost like Lebanese are identifying them more Lebanese than they might actually be in terms of where, how they see themselves. Because I, I like the way you're describing it. You could have 10 different nationalities in your family. And if one of them is an EU country, you're more likely to just sort of automatically say, oh, I prefer being Spanish. You know, even though I have a Lebanese great grandfather, but that does not identify me today or it's not how I see myself. And that, that points to just how, how long, how much history has passed since the late 19th century and that wave, that first wave. I want to ask you about the, the first sort of mass movement from the Middle East to Latin America. I remember somebody on the tour telling me that, and they were Brazilian, they said that we loosely refer to everyone from this part of the world as Turcos. And I, and I had never heard that word. This is a few years ago. Turcos. And I didn't know that that's just a, from Turkey. It's just sort of from when, what is loosely the Ottoman Empire. But that Lebanese are in that figure too. And then Syrians are and Palestinians. And it's a, it's a very big population. 
And this is mostly out of the famine and World War One sort of generation that people were heading. It's even before. And even it's, before, even before, yes. You know, during, during, you know, most of the, the, the first wave of migration was in 1870, 1880. Right, right. Okay. And this is a very important point, you know, and there have been studies about it, that most of the people did not immigrate for religious reasons. Yes, right, right. They immigrated for economic reasons, which seems to be the underlying reason for which most Lebanese always leave. Yes, so, <laughs> that's so, true. Yeah. So in other words, even during the war, yeah. I mean, during the 70s, people who left Lebanon, I mean, of course, we have the clash and we have the, 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 the sectarian issue and all that, but if you live within your own community, in, if you were Muslims, you, you lived in West Beirut or you lived in East Beirut, you were pretty much saved, you know. I mean, there were clashes, there were conflicts, there were crises, but, but you did not leave for a religious reason. You left because of the economic conditions or because the war was unbearable and the situation was unbearable. Right, but, but a country... It was not necessarily just the religious reason, the, one, the reason for which you left Lebanon. Sure, absolutely. And I mean, I, I think even... I mean, the diversity of Lebanese abroad shows that as well, that it's not just one group that is running away from Lebanon. Even though today more, the discussion around the Christians of Lebanon has sort of taken a... Uh, maybe there's there's more discussion around that community sort of feeling less secure in Lebanon. But that's recent. That's only the last yeah, maybe two decades, regional, two decades. It's a regional environment. Right, you know? right. And that, that's an unfortunate linkage to the rest. I always, yeah. I always discuss with my friends. They were saying, you know, oh, Lebanon, it's, you know, was autonomous. But then, you know, what? It's if you have an autonomy, then you didn't have a security problem. <laughs> if you have a security problem, then you were not autonomous. So you, you have to decide which one it was. So you cannot but, be both. But I'm, I'm, Brazil, or, or let's say Latin America in general, was the was there a sort of a alluring factor as to why somebody from Mount Lebanon would make that long journey to Latin America? Is it that they were offering something? Is it guaranteed nationality? Is it an economic incentive? Because this is not... I mean, it's it's a long journey, right? Yeah. This is a very well, very let, difficult journey. To, uh, yes, I'll tell you. Uh, I'll tell you why. I mean, let me go back to why uh, they called us Turcos. Mm -hmm. Okay, and and even my nickname in high school it's Turco. Oh, <laughs> my friends call me Turco. Okay, which means Turk. Yeah, but you know, today when I hear somebody's nickname is Turco, to me it's more like a crack cocaine dealer on the street. But it turns well, out, no, no, it's an Ottoman. Uh, story <laughs> so uh, and the reason for which they they call me that is because the ones who left they left with an ottoman passport and they yes. arrived to brazil and to argentina mm -hmm. with an ottoman passport yeah and 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 they were coming from turkey and even the armenians are called turcos oh that's interesting armenian armenian yes. migrants in the late 19th century armenian are turcos Armenia, an armenian from syria and armenian from yes. lebanon yes that's interesting immigrated yeah. also to brazil and to argentina and to the u.s mm -hmm. uh, you know they were turcos also yeah. okay uh, so it's really just the broadest term possible exactly. yeah and, and 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 you know at the beginning uh you know they were they were kind of mixed communities you know they weren't differentiated too much mm. Probably they gather among, you know, among themselves in the churches, Orthodox with Orthodox, mm -hmm. uh, Maronites with Maronites. Uh, uh, then, you know, the Maronites tended to, to kind of uh, uh, dilute even more because they, they were Catholics. 
So mm -hmm. when you mm -hmm. go to a, a Catholic majority country, then you go to the Catholic Church. You don't go anymore to the Maronite Church as the Orthodox kept going to their own private churches. Mm -hmm. So the Maronites were even more diluted than than. than and as for, the, as for the Muslims, there is a lot of conversions in the Middle East, in, uh, in, in Argentina, in Latin America especially. Why? Because there were no mosques in Argentina until around the 50s. That's interesting. So, so there are more Lebanese Christians as a result of Brazilian history, less to do with Lebanese history in, in Brazil. Uh, that's well, interesting. You know, some of the Muslims went to, to, to South America and because they had no mosques, their children were to public schools. They, they met other children, and, and they probably have necessary, uh, you know, spiritual feelings and needs, and they have nowhere to pray. So maybe they became Christians. Maybe. Okay, but that's not that's not a very big population then. That's just sort of more like more Brazilian. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. There are some. So mm -hmm. you have a lot of. If you go today and you try to find out by last names and you identify an, a Muslim last name, but he goes to the Catholic Church. Okay, that's interesting. Why? Because yeah. his grandparent married uh, an Argentinian who took him, the kids to the church. And the, a point in case, I'm going to give you a case which is a Syrian, but uh, President Carlos Menem. Yes, yes. Who, who, you know, I organized his trip to Lebanon in 98. I went with him. I had the pleasure of, you know, I always say it was my pleasure because my grandfather emigrated from Lebanon on a boat and he never went back to Lebanon. And I went back to Lebanon with the president of Argentina. That's that's crazy. So, so <laughs> to me, that was very very emotional. Of course, but, you know, he was from a Muslim family from Yabrut in Syria, but uh, they converted to Catholicism. Okay, that's interesting. And and but I'm gonna just assume that's generations ago. That's sort of yeah. yeah that's not recent. Sort of. So he's born Christian. His father was probably born Christian. It's going sort of maybe back towards this is no, I mean, no, his parents were Muslims. And oh, his, some his, of the brothers are Muslims. He's Christian. Oh, that's interesting. Oh, it's just yeah. him. Oh, yeah. oh, OK. I didn't know that. Oh, wow. But, but there's many cases like that. OK. I, but again, that's OK. So that's the Brazilian kind of story that Lebanese find their way through. But okay. but why but, did they, they go to to to, to South America? I mean, yeah, at least the, all, the, the first wave. I'm curious. What yeah. was the. Yeah. When, when these people left Lebanon, let me tell you something that's interesting, you know. Uh, Christians had an easier time to leave Lebanon than Muslims. Back then? Back then. Why? Because Christians did not have to go to the army as the Muslims did. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So if, in order, if, you were, if you were a Christian from Mount Lebanon and you wanted to leave, it was much easier to get a permit to, to get on a boat and leave than if you were a Muslim that you were supposed to serve in the army. So it was not so easy. So Muslims who emigrated, they probably had to go through another Ottoman port before they were able to ship and then right, right, go on. Right. And basically the destination was not Argentina or Brazil or the US, was America. They were coming to America. And in many cases, some, some people didn't even know in which country they ended up. They just went and they took the first ship, they were transported either in Marseille or Genova or one of those European ports. And from there, they continued to the first ship that took him to America in some cases. So, so they, this is just heading west. This is not even, the destination was not intended necessarily. It to was be... the Americas because it was yeah. the world countries. Yes. This is the stories that, you know, people thinking that, you know, you will find gold in the streets and, you, you know, all these 
fantasies yeah. in Latin America, besides there were countries were being made, actually. Yeah, you exactly. Know, right. Very few countries right. in which they needed all kinds of labor, they needed merchants, they needed you know, people for jobs, they needed, everything had to be made from, from scratch. And the, the opportunities were huge in those countries. Okay, so that's, at the beginning, it's almost like heading west on that sort of North-South American sphere. And that explains at least why there are Lebanese all over Latin America as well. It's not just Brazil, it's not just Argentina. We have in Colombia and in Mexico, you said earlier, it's sort of all over the place. But, Everywhere. But let's sort of, I mean, from there, is there a later sort of curiosity among Lebanese to go particularly to Brazil? Because I'm curious why the number there is so much bigger okay. than a few hundred thousand in Mexico or even okay. even 1.2 million in Argentina. Well, you know, Brazil and Argentina were the probably the countries that were more promising at the time. You know, there were mm -hmm. there were opportunities. You know, Argentina is totally underpopulated even today. Mm -hmm. And Brazil had, you know, they were discovering the the Amazon and they, they were discovering the Mato Grosso. And you know, Brazil was 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 kind of a new thing and yeah. a country in the making, as was as Argentina. And uh, other countries were less known. But what happened? Why so many? Because then when, when, you know, when a Lebanese arrived, he normally started as a peddler, you know, they, they, they came with some money from Lebanon, they were not totally poor, mm. because otherwise they couldn't have made the trip. Okay, so right. when they tell you that the Lebanese who left were terribly poor, that's probably not true, because they, they, they managed, you know, to get the ticket to get something. And when you go to a Lebanese home in, in, in South America, you have the, the mortar, you know, to make the kebbe. Everybody brought the mortar with them. <laughs> and, 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 you know, it's part of a history. Yeah. And, and, and you could not bring that very easily if you didn't bring some suitcases and stuff. So I, I assume right, that they right. came with, with some, some, some means mm -hmm. and, and they became peddlers. Then from peddling, they probably, uh, you know, progress quite fast and they have a store. When they have a store, they, they probably wanted to get into, uh, into wholesale. And for that, you needed to, to trust people. So you call your, your neighbors, your cousins, your mm. friends from the village in Lebanon, and you brought them to Brazil because you told them, no, this, you can make a lot of money in this country, so please come join me. And they went to Lebanon back sometimes to look for a wife, sometimes uh, uh, you know, they went to, 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 to improve their, their, their villages, uh, homes, and, and, and give some money to the family, but they, they brought back a lot of relatives and a lot of friends. So it's not mm, uncommon mm. In, in Argentina or in Brazil or in Mexico that you go to a town and most of the Lebanese in that specific town, they come from the same part of Lebanon. Right, right. That makes so sense. The emigrated or most of the people in the village right. emigrated to the same kind of places. And, and the economic and, factor was that that was the pull factor, at least for Brazil. That there was more opportunity Argentina and from yes. Mexico, for all Latin America, I would say. Mm. Now, the other important issue is that you know the Lebanese created credit; they invented credit that it didn't exist in Latin America. How was that? You tell me. Well, you know <laughs> the, the newcomers from Lebanon, they they came with some means, but not enough to have a store. So the guy who had succeeded already and had a wholesale store now, yes. he would give some credit, and we give the merchandise to this other Lebanese guy to go and sell for him or for himself. And, and, and this is how credit was created. You give credit to somebody who will get your merchandise and he sells it and then he pays you back. Okay, but that uh, that's okay. I'm, I'm maybe 
I'm curious why still why it's it's not to me all those reasons that you're explaining still don't add up to why there's potentially 10 million in Brazil that that number is still so big so and I I'm just curious about the longevity of Brazil is it that Brazil was guaranteeing nationality to Lebanese so they're saying you come here we make you Brazilian you don't need to worry about anything else it's it's almost like the Ellis Island thing with America no no, no because in some like for instance I'll tell you the case of Brazil they, you, you didn't get the nationality right away okay first you hmm. get you get a visa you get a permit it wasn't that difficult to get the nationality but that wasn't the reason because that's not why they left the Lebanese did not leave in at that time because they wanted to have another nationality they left for economic reasons and they always dream of coming back to Lebanon Mm, mm. They didn't want to die in Brazil. Okay, so they so to come back to Lebanon. So it's really just an accident that Brazil ended up having this big number. It's not like this is more than. In other words, it's not just that there's a good economy and we can make money. It's not that. It's just that way before World War One, that was a a pull factor, and the numbers just kept going up from there. It's almost like it could have been Argentina or it could have been Chile. It just happened to be Brazil. Did I get that right? That there's nothing well, special about Brazil yeah, per se. Yeah, it also had to do with, with the importance of the ports, okay? Because as I told you, some people didn't mm. even choose the country they were going to. Mm. So they were mm. going to Marseille or to Genova and they said, what's the next ship? Because of the because of the commercial uh, conditions at that time, yes. maybe, maybe a lot of ships were going to Brazil and they were you know, coming back and forth, right. or maybe to Buenos Aires or maybe to Veracruz in Mexico. Those were the three biggest ports. So yes. Buenos Aires was very important because it was exporting a lot of things to Europe mm-hmm. and the ships were going empty. Yeah. yeah so yeah, yeah. You, you put a lot of people in those ships. Right, right. And, and many people who ended up in Argentina probably they eventually went, went to Brazil because maybe they had more opportunities, you know, because... Of course, of course, that makes sense. So it's not that they're just all ending... Right, right. They sort of, that was the draw, that they end up in Brazil long term. It's not necessarily that they go to Brazil right away. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. I, I only kept asking, I didn't mean to repeat myself, but it's just that because it's still, it's a big number and it's potentially more than twice the population of Lebanon. So I always found that a curious... Uh, but, I'm always, but I'm always very cautious when you, uh, when we give these numbers and, and I'm very worried that, you know, because when, when you're in Lebanon and you talk to the Lebanese, oh, the diaspora, we, it's our soul, it's our blood, that is... And it's true that the diaspora is very important for Lebanon. Mm. And it's true that, you know, it's not just for economic reasons, because we also brought back to Lebanon some ideas, you know, some some yes. ideas of freedom, some ideas of, 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 of uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, living in a society which was much more open than Lebanon. Lebanon knew coexistence, but but in, 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 you know, the social coexistence that you have in Latin America, going everybody to the same school, whether you came from the high classes or the low classes or the middle classes, that was something that in Lebanon didn't exist. And it was brought back to Lebanon with, yes. the, with the emigration that returned to Lebanon somehow right. or right. visited Lebanon. And so the ideas that we brought back to Lebanon as a diaspora also contributed, not just economically. Okay? Mm-hmm. So the economy is very important. And, and if we're talking about the economy, the importance of the economy, then you have to look into the part of the immigration, which is much more recent. Because if you're going to ask for money, sometimes, you know, I went to, to meetings uh, discussing the diaspora, and they say, well, you know, if every Lebanese would put a thousand dollars, 
every Lebanese in the diaspora will put a thousand dollars and and you know we will get ten billion dollars in no time <laughs> it's kind of a solution <laughs> I mean that's the wishful thinking and you pointed it out that only a handful of people are even willing okay. to vote so it's, <laughs> so it's like, like I'm yeah. going to my nephew and to my cousins and give me a thousand dollars for eleven they will look right. at me with a face like you wouldn't know yes so, yes yes now but the other side of the coin is that you have about 700,000 people of Lebanese origin, Lebanese descendants or diaspora, that do contribute about $11,000 per year each to Lebanon. Oh, okay. So that is actually a big number. Okay. Exactly. So you have $8.8 billion could be supported the Lebanese economy, and that comes from the diaspora. Now, and that, that's in Latin America or that's worldwide? No, that's, that's all. Exactly the, point. Mm, the diaspora mm. that contributes. The, the funding for the Lebanese economy is mostly in the Gulf. Oh, of course, yeah, sure. Australia, yes. mm. uh, Africa, and the U.S. and maybe Europe. So Latin America doesn't really factor in to the. Not, not except from tourism, you know, except right, for right. you know visiting Lebanon and spending money there in the hotels, yes. giving some money to the families. But the real support. You know, that, that maintains the elderly in Lebanon, that, that keeps you know the economy going in Lebanon. Mm -hmm. And that's not a small amount. It's $8.8 .8 billion, and it's critical for Lebanon. Yeah. It's the diaspora, which is closely connected, and it's very recent. Now, these people also are suffering from the economic problems of those regions as well. Sure, of course. So that's going to create a problem for Lebanon in the economy, because, you know, with, with the price of the dollar, uh, the price of the oil going down in the Gulf, mm -hmm. many of the experts from the Gulf are going to have a hard time to send money to Lebanon as they used to in the past 10-15 years. Right, right. Uh, many merchants and many people who own stores and, you know, with COVID, it's an additional reason for which, you know, their stores are closed, they are not generating any money, and, and they have to take care of, uh, you know, of their own problems, yes. would they be able to continue helping Lebanon in the same way they 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 were helping before? Right, and that's a that's a worldwide issue as well. I mean, I, I guess the Lebanese cannot yeah. expect anyone to help right now, regardless. It's, yeah. Yes, you do expect the diaspora to help, and that's why that's mm. why I'm mm. saying that we have to we have to understand first of all the diaspora is not ten to fifteen billion million people. Right, right. Second, there is a small segment, maybe one million, mm. who are really directly connected to Lebanon, but of that million, many of them are affected by the coronavirus virus. Yes, so, right. And, and that's going to have an effect on Lebanon. So it's not going to be the same the same kind of uh, remittances and investments and purchases of apartment or, or, or whatever they were doing in Lebanon in the past few years. Now when Lebanon need, need them the most, they might not be able to provide what they were providing. Right, right. That makes sense. So, in other words, keep the number less than one million. When, when referring to the active diaspora that is contributing to the Lebanese economy long term, it's really yeah. just it's hundreds of thousands. It's not millions. Now, I'm not saying that you forget the other nine million or fourteen million. There yeah. is other ways to engage them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, and the way to engage them is to bring them closer to Lebanon. So, the war in Lebanon, you know, people were not able to visit for. 15, 20 years, that's almost two generations that, you know, the disconnect sure. was not because the diaspora didn't care, it was because Lebanon wasn't accessible. Right, right. So, yeah. you know, I, I did not go to Lebanon myself, you know, my father registered me at, at the embassy the, the day after I was born. Sorry, Sergio, is that from me? Yes. 
That's New York. Oh, oops. <laughs> Sorry, one second, Sergio. I want to see what's going on. I can smell some smoke. One, one second. You know, I actually I smelled the fire. I could smell some smoke. Ball. I'll I'll try to show you. I don't know if it uh, if it's visible. There's a fire across the street, but uh, I don't know if it it's there's a, a yeah yeah I see the smoke. Sorry sorry for that interruption. Oh, I, that's uh, okay. Yeah, well, but like you said, so, it's it's New York. Uh, what I was saying is the war in Lebanon also uh, contributed to distancing the diaspora, the old diaspora from Lebanon. Yes, right. Uh, because you know we were cut off from going to Lebanon, and if you want one big element of the reconnection uh, of the old diaspora to Lebanon is visiting Lebanon. Yeah. And I can tell you that, you know, I deal a lot of with, with, with people from the diaspora, with, with the, especially the youth, mm -hmm. because I have class, I give them classes, I talk to them about Lebanon, I have online courses in Spanish for them about Lebanon, because my, my objective is to reconnect them to Lebanon. And these, now, are, these are Lebanese generations detached. Yes, yeah. Fourth and fifth generation Lebanese. Wow. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm reconnecting to Lebanon through yes. teaching them, explaining to them what about Lebanon. Now, and, 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 but, the, but the biggest instrument to reconnect them is to make them go to Lebanon once. So just a trip to Lebanon mm -hmm. would mm -hmm. make them crazy about Lebanon. And mm -hmm. they, each right. one of them, then you, you, you gain like three generations that you lost because these people are going to become Lebanese like, like you and me. Right, so, that's interesting. And that is very, very important. And, and when they go back from, from your own experiences, I'm, I'm assuming there are many distant relatives that know who they are, that they can say, yes, your great-grandfather lived here, or the Mukhtar might have some information. And yeah, it's almost like... Uh, they, they go, they visit, they visit their, their great-grandparents' home, they yeah. make the relatives, even if they are very distant, mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. you know, you see them crying, you see them wrapping themselves with the Lebanese flag. You would be amazed. I mean, this is an experience that I, I go through every year. That's interesting, now, and you find that to be more powerful, a tool of of keeping the diaspora involved. That 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 is a that is a way to help Lebanon more than more than other ways. Absolutely, and mm. I'll tell you why it's important and why it's powerful because. How do we attract to Lebanon? So in, in other words, what is my strategy? You know, I have a, a center for Lebanese studies that I'm trying to teach Lebanon. I'm going to try to explain Lebanon and attract people to Lebanon. Mm -hmm. So what's my tool? Okay, my tool is we are a country that know how to live in coexistence. We've learned. We are a cosmopolitan uh, culture. We are uh, multi-religious. And we are an open society with freedom of speech. And, uh, and so uh, when, when I'm trying to sell these things to a, a young person of 18, 19 years old, it, it's really appealing to this young generation. You know, these ideas that you can, you can coexist if you are a Muslim or a Christian or a Druze or a Shia or whatever, and, and you can, you can you can have a multi-layered identity in which, you know, you can feel Lebanese and you can feel Arab and you can feel Mediterranean and you can feel, uh, you know, uh, many things, and, and and it's kind of accepted in Lebanon and it's, it's part of our civilization, it's part mm. of our contribution to the world. This attracts people to Lebanon, 
So they are, you know, when in, 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 in a world in which you see what's happening in the Middle East, you know, the authoritarian regimes, and you're seeing what's happening, uh, the way that the, some countries treat Muslims or some Middle Eastern countries treat Christians, and, and you see that in Lebanon it's possible, then that becomes an attraction. So in other words, this, the, 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 the... Instant uh, attraction to, uh, to Lebanese descendants. But, but this is a form of, I mean, this is tourism. In a sense, it's getting Lebanese to visit Lebanon more, and in that way, kind of also help the economy through yes. through just being economically attached again. And reconnect them to Lebanon. Yeah, okay? yeah, yeah. Most yeah. likely, they will speak. They come back and they speak to their friends, and they take their cousins, and yeah. they probably will eventually go with their children. Right, exactly. So we did not lose completely that fourth and fifth generation. Right. We're trying to claim them back. Right. So and there are I ways of doing it. Can I ask you, and, and, and I'm going to ask you, maybe it's a two-layered question. You, and I like you said that even yourself as a, as a younger Sergio growing up, your nickname was Turco. Okay, I mean, you're clearly you're Lebanese before being an Ottoman sort of citizen. Is that also part of the, that the Lebanese diaspora, at least in Latin America, does it see itself as part of something bigger or is it still is it confined the way the Middle East is confined? And what I mean by that is, let's say the Syrian diaspora of Argentina, the Palestinian diaspora of of Chile, the Lebanese diaspora of Brazil. Do they see themselves as one and the same as the, we're all Turcos or is that just Latin American identification on this community? Well, I'll tell you what happened. You know, at, at the beginning, uh, you couldn't really distinguish between the Syrian and the Lebanese, and they became one community. Mm, they intermarried mm. among themselves. Sometimes they were going to the same clubs and the same associations. You know, my father met my mother uh, at the Club Sirio Libanes. It was a Syrian Lebanese club. Okay, so so the identities are more flexible among the diaspora in Latin America. Wait, they were. They were. I, I see. Yes. Okay. Uh, what happened is. The first big problem that we've had was, okay, when, when, when Lebanon was created as a state, I'm not going to discuss the politics, but some people were very happy about it, they wanted to be separated from Syria, some people were not very happy about it, they, want, they thought that Lebanon was part of Syria, mm -hmm. not going to get into the politics, but that transpired in Latin America somehow. Uh-huh, okay, so, so that's interesting, because this happens after they've already arrived, and yeah, sure. yeah. When they arrived, there was not, per se, uh, Lebanon separated from Syria. There right. were Ottoman subjects. Yes, yes. Okay, they were from, you know, the village was very important. You know, I'm from, you ask, if you ask a Lebanese in the 1905, where are you from? My father, my grandfather said, I'm from Tripoli. Right, right. He didn't say I'm from Lebanon. Mm -hmm. He didn't say I'm from Syria. Yes. He didn't say I'm Ottoman. He said I'm from, from Tripoli. Tripoli. <laughs> it's true. And yeah. actually, some still do, but that's... <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I forget. I mean, if you are from Amun, it would, they would that's, even deny yeah. the Lebanese nationality. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but in any case, what happened is this: this, this first distinction. Mm -hmm. Then you had the creation of Lebanese clubs, separated from Syrian Lebanese clubs. Okay. After 1920, you see some creations of Lebanese clubs, per se, in Brazil and Argentina and Mexico which has nothing to do with the Syrian Lebanese class who had already been created before. Right, right. So many people left the, the Syrian Lebanese club and went to the Lebanese club. 
I see. But that okay, but that's still going back at least a century ago, and that's that's old. Yeah. But I mean, you, since you're being referred to as Turcos, is this a name that you? I guess I'm, maybe I'm asking it the wrong way. Is it a non-Turco, non-Arab identification, or is it something that you are, in a way, adjusted to? This like I am part of this old Middle East club. You know, you know, I have I have Jewish friends that you know we call them Russians. <laughs> okay, I see, I see. So it's okay. really just like a it's a very and loose term. And the Italians are Tanos, which are Napolitanos, which are all from Napoli. Strong. Right, right. The Spanish are Gallegos, like if they all came from Galicia, and that's not true either. So it's kind of like you know, uh, if you were blonde, it would be a gringo, which is anybody who is... Right. Oh, I see. So it's really, it's not a very... It, the, the, the term doesn't mean anything anymore. It's just a... No, I, my father would, would get very upset. He would always say, I'm Lebanese. But, you know, I... I exactly. That's my point. So your father would not say, I'm, I'm not Turcos. I am Lebanese. No, and my grandfather, even before, you know, yeah. because my grandfather emigrated under the Ottoman, mm-hmm. he would really have a fight with you if you called him Turco. Okay, so the further back you go, the more distinct in a way. And then before pre-Lebanon, pre-independent Lebanon, pre-mandate Lebanon, it, it's very blurry. Only by only by the fact that the Ottoman Bilad Hashem was a blurry section of the world, regardless. But but now I'm curious about your students. So this is the generation ahead of you. Do they identify themselves distinctly? Do you have students that are? very sort of certain they're saying i am lebanese i have lebanese heritage or is it a more mixed sort of no i'm from syria i'm i'm arab i'm whatever you want i'm eastern mediterranean i'm palestinian syrian i mean i'm curious what the younger generation how they relate to that part of the world my students would tend to to be lebanese because i'm trying that's what i'm trying to oh that's (laughs) so that's that's actually So I'm not, I'm not, I'm not advocating a larger kind of. Uh, do, do you section off the class like these are? No, the... <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm like, I'll tell you something. I'll mm. explain to you something which is very important. You know, in issues that have to do with the rights of the Palestinian people and uh, especially what's going on in Israel with Israel, they are pretty much all in agreement. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So they feel that there is a larger solidarity with the other Arab countries yes uh, and i don't know how much solidarity is in the arab countries themselves with the palestinians right now when it comes to to, to syria for instance then you have uh, you know a, a mixed reaction because you have a lot of people uh, who are being co-opted by the regime and they defend uh the government of syria uh blindly so it is a reflection of the region in, 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 in Latin America, okay, yes. And I will tell you, if you go to the Syrian community in, in Argentina and Brazil, the majority of them would support the government, not the opposition. Right. So they okay. buy the argument that the government has been trying to uh, to put forward, okay? Mm. But but the, I mean, in terms of just identity, though, are they as sort of separate from each other, that I am Syrian-Argentinian, or I'm Palestinian, I'm Armenian? Or is it still kind of a we're all from the same part of the world sentiment? And I'm curious if that sort of, if there's no, much separation. I think it's pretty clear. It's pretty clear that you know you have a lot of mixed Syrian Lebanese. Why? Because you have one grandparent from Syria and one grandparent from Lebanon. Right. So he's Syrian Lebanese, and he's he has both identities in a way. That's interesting. Uh, 
but but you know I think specifically we have our own uh, identity you know the Lebanese we have our own identity mm-hmm. so we mm-hmm. believe in a larger uh, entourage that includes all the others and there is solidarity and there is a relationship but we are not part of of the Arab you know uh, you know just one big thing called the Arab world that we are all so the, the, so the Lebanese are more distinct in Latin America from other communities as well. It's almost like a the Lebanese see themselves as more Lebanese than, than anything else, at least when it comes to their relationship to the Middle East, because that yeah. is in a way reflective of the region too. So it almost is that kind of mirror. But I, but I, I like that you keep reminding me that there's real mixing. And I... You know, it's something that I don't really, it's something I wish I knew more about. I really enjoyed this conversation for that. Because the history of the history of the Turcos, quote-unquote, the Ottoman citizens ending up together in one place, yeah, of course you're going to have common understanding that you're kind of, you're, you're pretty much stuck together in a new place. You're going to mix by default. And I think that's sort of a, that's a nice story that kind of, it reminds us that the differences at home kind of fade once you reach a new place and you can find more you, you in a way you re-identify yourself as you see fit and I, and I really enjoy that this is an old old story this is an old Lebanese story it's older than Lebanon itself so no, it's, but I have to I have to also tell you that the war for instance the war in Lebanon uh, created a lot of frictions and a lot of divisions okay I see okay? so yeah. until, until then there was no issue whether you know you felt Syrian Lebanese or Lebanese. Now, when the war started, then we had a lot of issues. You know, right? Lebanese Palestinian issues, mm, mm. Uh, Lebanese Syrian issues, which are still present till today. Okay. Okay. I now, see. Yeah. Uh, that doesn't mean that that doesn't mean that you know we don't recognize the community as somehow integrated. Like mm-hmm. you know, I I have cousins who are. You know, part Lebanese, part Syrian, because they one of my they're uncles mixed. Yeah. a Syrian woman. Right, and, right. You know, I love them as much as the ones who married another Lebanese, and as much as the one who married an Italian person. I, I hope so, Sergio. So, <laughs> yeah. So, so the thing is that you know, recognizing that the community, it's 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 integrated and it's one, and we are. What you have to keep in mind, Ronnie, is that we are uh, we are essentially Argentinian, and yeah. this is what yeah. you know, the Lebanese should understand too. Yes, we are essentially Brazilians. We are essentially Argentinians. Yes. Now we have certain level of allegiance to Lebanon. Mm-hmm. It has mm-hmm. also. Okay, it's not a blind allegiance. Yes. We don't buy the politicians' bullshit as easily as you have been done in Lebanon, new you, but as the Lebanese have been doing in Lebanon, mm-hmm. we don't buy them because. You know, we are not part of that system. I mean, yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah. Me, what, what, are, what is the Lebanese politician going to give me to keep me uh, applauding him for stealing the country? I mean, maybe yeah. in Lebanon they have some reasons, but we don't. So that makes this sense. is something that, you know, from the diaspora, we can somehow contribute because we are not, we don't owe them anything. That makes sense. And I actually, I just want to wrap it up with an anecdote. And I remember as a child that... W- there, there was another Lebanese president in Latin America, and I hope it's right. He was from El Salvador, and yeah, and his nickname was El Loco. No, this is Ecuador. So, so, 
<laughs> Sorry, Ecuador, right. So there's been... Okay, let, let's go back. El Salvador, there was a Lebanese president. A Lebanese... For, we four, four Lebanese presidents in, in Ecuador. El Salvador, you had a Palestinian origin president. Sorry, El Salvador was Palestinian. Sorry, yeah. Yeah, you're right. So uh, Ecuador is four. Yes. And and which one is the loco? <laughs> loco Bucaram. <laughs> loco Bucaram. <laughs> now, this is quite, I mean, four is pretty good for one country. El Salvador is... One of the best presidents we had in Argentina is Carlos Menem, who is Syrian. Right. But but I'm curious, the, the Ecuador story, I mean, the population there is not that big. The Lebanese population is not sort of distinct. It's not so I mean, it's it's there, but it's not a dramatic sort of size compared to other countries. Why Ecuador? I'm just curious. What is it about Ecuador that brought four? <laughs> uh, well, you know, the Lebanese, as I mentioned to you, they, they began as peddlers, then merchants, then industrialists. And, you know, with, with money comes power. So then what you want, if you have power, you want one of your children to go into politics. But these are not related to each other, these four. I think a couple of them are related. Oh, they are? <laughs> yeah, I think that a couple of them are related. Uh, but the Lebanese community in Ecuador, as it is almost everywhere, is quite successful. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So being successful gives you uh, sometimes the power, you know, gives you... We have in Argentina many governors who are of Lebanese origin. Right. Brazil, at one point, 100 members of Congress out of 400 were of Lebanese origin. Right, I remember, one yes. Congress. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so it's really just, it's a fluke that four ended up being president, but they're they're not, I mean, it's just that they got very successful, but it's just a bit, it's a big number for one small country to have. Yeah, it is. Know. It's unusual also. And it I hope a loco is the perfect name for a Lebanese president in any country. <laughs> but the fact that he's called a loco, is that a Ecuadorian sort of uh, identity for him? Or, did, I mean, how did that name come about? Did he do something that was very Lebanese in his, in his uh, career? Loco means crazy. And yeah. He was crazy, you know. He had, he had these this strange ideas and his reactions and his, his way of, of behaving it was a little bit unusual to, to say the least. So that's why they call him a loco. I see. Maybe he was watching too much uh, LBC when he was younger and he got inspired. <laughs> I want to be Lebanese here too. Sergio, I want to say thank you for spending another hour with me on a, on a lighter subject in a way. It's it's actually a uh, it's it's a more fun discussion because there's not, there's there isn't much pain here. It's really just a a story about a community that that made its way. But I think the way it's related, not only the, you know the interrelation between the diaspora and Lebanon, but also uh, it's it's the need to face reality. The way I connect the two conversations mm, is, mm, you know, in one side when we talk about the economy, you know, Lebanon has to face reality. Right, and you mentioned this reform, 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 reform. Exactly, yes. we have to face the reality, and it's going to be painful. And with the diaspora. You know, I always recommend to, to be realistic. Don't think that we are like 10 million people ready to go on and help Lebanon like this because, you know, we, we have feelings or we have a great-grandparent who came from Lebanon. You know, there is much smaller number of Lebanese than 10 million or 15 million who are really closely uh, following what's going on in Lebanon and closely related to Lebanon. So I think the strategy for the diaspora 
it has to be, first of all, you should not co-opt it, not try to co-opt it. Mm -hmm. They have been trying to co-opt the, the Lebanese diaspora. I'm talking about the Lebanese politicians yeah. forever. Yes. You know, in the 60s, they created the World Lebanese Union, they tried to manipulate it, okay? In, in the 80s, it was divided among the different political parties, each one has their own. Then, then you have, uh, during the Syrian regime, they tried to, to co-opt the Lebanese diaspora, uh, I mean, again, and then now, uh, Gibran Basile is trying to co-opt them with the, the Lebanese diaspora energy thing. So, the, the Lebanese diaspora doesn't like to be co-opted, okay? And, and you have to work with it, but understand it and the different layers and the different relationship we have, level of intensity of relationship we have with Lebanon. Because we can be, we can be productive for Lebanon, we can be useful for Lebanon, yeah. but first of all, we have to be free, like the Lebanese. We don't like impositions. Mm -hmm. We don't like corruptions, and we want to uh, uh, contribute in different levels. That you know, uh, somebody who was born in Lebanon and immigrated is not the same as of somebody that it's a great grandchildren of Lebanon who can contribute, but has to be at a different level. Well said, and I I like that we spent a, a good amount of time focusing in on on reform. We just spent a decent amount of time talking about reality. And I think your mission of bringing more of the diaspora back, or at least finding some roots in the region, that kind of return, uh, it's, it's, very, it's very noble. And I, I wish you a lot of success in that front. And I'll say it again, I, uh, I really hope that you can get me Salma Hayek on this podcast. That's going to be my regular reminder when I speak to you. You can you can be part of the podcast too. You're very very welcome to join in. <laughs> what number of podcasts are you now? 150. What? We're in the 150s. So what, what are we looking at? How many? How many more? How many you give me to try? <laughs> I, I'll I'll keep going until you get me some. <laughs> then then I'll say you know what I'll take a break. <laughs> so keep on going. Okay, thanks. <laughs> I'll do my best though. I, I well I hope you know if you make that happen I I, I really will uh, I'll owe you quite a bit. So, Sergio, thank you, and thank you for uh, reminding me that you are Sergio Khalil, and I like that you pointed this out. The J in Argentina is Kh, Khalil in Argentina, so I'll stop calling you Sergio Jalil, Sergio Khalil. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Rani. Thanks for listening, and a friendly reminder to help support this podcast by contributing through Patreon or PayPal. All links are in the details box below. Until next time, I'm Rani Shatah, and this is the Beirut Banyan. <laughs>